be back with you. Uh, last time uh, Brianna and I were here, it was uh, two years ago, and it was a month before we were married. And uh, the reason why I think that's funny is because the, the first slide I have for you is that relationships are hard. Uh, I'm going, I should have thought that out a little bit. Um, you know, it hasn't been a hard two years. It's actually been a very, very good uh, two years. I'm very, very thankful uh, for our time together and for you inviting us back and uh, thankful that we get to speak uh, today and, and spend time with you. But in all honesty, relationships are very difficult, and, and they can prove to be that way. And, and you don't have to just be checking out at, a, at the local grocery store to realize they're difficult. Would you agree? I mean, you go by and there's all the tabloids out there because every week it's about what relationships are going good or going bad. And, and you don't have to notice that, but you realize relationships are challenging just try to pick out a card for someone. Most greeting cards are based on what? Relationships. Whether you're buying for, for a husband or a wife or a friend or, or, or a, a cousin or whatever it is, they try to make cards for every single occasion there is. And I'm going to tell you, trying to pick out a card is very, very difficult. If y'all have looked at the five love languages thing here, I don't know if you have or not, I, I, uh, I find it interesting. A lot of our love languages, one is... One is a touch, one, one is a gifts, one is a words of affirmation. We could go through those different ones. Well, I'm married to someone who is words of affirmation. And so cards mean a big deal to her. She, she likes when I do that. So to go pick out a card is, is really, really challenging because I have to read every word of it. See, to me, if you want a card to be good, just put that inside it. Gift card works for me. That works for me, preferably at Bass Pro Shop. It, it, that, that's something that is very helpful to me. It's interesting, Hallmark uh, is known for making really nice cards in about 8,000 movies, to which my wife has watched about 7,000 of them so far this year. There was one on last night at the hotel. We didn't even have to look on what to watch. It came on and, and she watched it. And, and they talk about this, when you care enough to send the very best. I think there's some situations that Hallmark does not make cards for. I, uh, I, I think about these, and you may find these humorous, or you may not. I, I kind of do. I, I think that there's some, some that you wouldn't necessarily see on Hallmark. One of those is, uh, when you look at it, I've always wanted someone to have and to hold and to love. Having dated you, I've changed my mind. I haven't seen that card, but they should make that. The breakups may not be as well, but somebody have something to hold on to afterwards. Or maybe this is this. As the days go by, I think of how lucky I am that you're not here to ruin it for me. See, those are, those are there. There's another. We've been friends such a very long time. What do you say we call it quits? I don't know who's writing this for them, but I think they've got a future. You could... You could see that in here. And another is this. It says, after being cl so close for so long, I feel the need for a long-distance relationship. I'll stay here. You fly to the moon. I haven't seen that one just yet. They say absence makes the, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Let's see if that would actually work. One of my favorites is, how can I miss you if you won't ever leave? I, I think that's true and. uh See, relationships are difficult. Some of us, uh, and, and it's interesting that, that, that when we think about our life and, and what's going on, 
that the, the opportunity to be able to live somewhere where you can sort of be a hermit would be really good. There are days that I think many of us would like to say, hey, I'd like to sort of get away from everyone. I'd like to be able to pull away from everyone and just spend some time by myself. You'll see this come up online from time to time, and what it will say is this. It'll say, you have to stay in this cabin for a month. You have all that you need, food, water, and firewood. You have no access to the Internet, phones, or TV. On the last day, you'd walk out with $100,000. Would you do it? We... My wife already signed me up to go. She said, you're out. It'd be great. Because we would. Because sometimes we're like, you know what? I think I would like some time by myself. Here's the problem. The problem of that is, we are created to live in community with one another. God designed the the world. Isn't it interesting that God Himself is triune? You have the Father, Son, and Spirit. You have relationship inside of the Godhead. And not only that, after God made man, it did not take long until He made woman because man is to live in relationship with other people. It doesn't mean you can't be an introvert. It doesn't mean that you can't have a ways that you need to recharge. But we are created to live in relationship with others. And that's what the church is. God knew that we needed one another. If you were to open the Bible, what you would see is there are about 59 one another verses there. 59 different things that the Lord says we should do for one another, whether it's love one another, forgive one another, show honor to one another. All those are there. Be kind to one another. Pray for one another. People are a part of our lives. And I think that's Jesus' preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us the golden rule to treat other people the way we want to be treated. And when we think about that, is we, we see some other things that, that are listed in Scripture about how we're to treat other people. Paul says this, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live it peaceably with all, man, all men. Can I tell you, that verse bothers me. And there's one word in that verse that really makes it difficult for me, and that's the word all. I don't know about you, but there's some people that are very difficult to be at peace with. Some of those people are family. Some people look forward to Thanksgiving and to Christmas every year because you look forward to the family coming together and that time of joy, that time of sharing. There are others who really dread that two or three hours. Because there may be somebody there that's very difficult to live at peace with. Some people are difficult to live at peace with because they're yellers. They they seem like they bear down on you. Others, you see that there are sometimes relationships in either a dating or marriage relationship that are difficult. Maybe it's time you see that you have brothers or sister problems. You ever had those? Some people are always like, did you get that picture from my house? No, I did not. Sometimes we have problems with our friends. Sometimes we have parents that are a little overbearing. Sometimes we have children who are about to get it. And you're sitting there going, wow, we have so many issues with families. How in the world, when it comes to relationships, do we get along with one another? How do we make the best of the one another's? How is it that we can do that? Today, I'm just going to go through some very simple things. I think some keys uh, to remember for successful relationships. Can I tell you that 
one thing I've learned, and this year I celebrated my 20th year of full-time ministry, which is hard for me to, to imagine. You know, seven more years I get to retire and have summers off. That's not how it works for preachers. Um, I've noticed that if you preach on the family, on grief, people usually seem to, or relationships, people really seem to plug into that. I hope you will today. And what I want us to do is I've noticed when it comes to uh, memorizing things, that we memorize things better when we say them out loud together. There's just something about saying something out loud that makes it much easier to remember. And so as we go through, I'm going to say something then ask you to say it with me and, and so we can remember these different keys uh, about how that we can have better relationships with one another. The first one is, I was wrong. Let's say that together. I was wrong. Wow. You know, some people are thinking, that's the first time I've ever heard my husband or wife say that in my life. Waited 60 years for that. And now I can't hear it. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's one of the most difficult things I believe there is to say. To admit we were wrong. And you think about this, sometimes you see this on the, on the on ball field. You'll see somebody do something and they'll go, my bad. I really messed up and you know, I threw that ball away or I didn't make the block or whatever else. I think if we're going to have really good relationships, we're going to have to be really quick to admit when we've done something wrong. How many of us sometimes know we've done something wrong, but we don't want to backtrack, and we, we don't want to give? I, I think it's a difficult thing, and the person who will never, ever admit they're wrong, we, uh, the big uh, psychological word for that is they're a narcissist. They, they are always right in every way. Can I let you know there's only one being who's always right, and that's God. For us to believe that we're always right and to never admit we're wrong, that's problematic. It's difficult to be in relationships with people like that. Many times being in a relationship with someone like that is an abusive relationship when somebody will never, ever admit they are wrong. One of the things to remember why it's good to admit that is because it helps us to be accountable. It helps us to be accountable. One thing we learn in Scripture is we are to be accountable. We are to be responsible for our own behavior. You know, at the end of sermons, uh, we give people an opportunity to come, and, and sometimes they ask to be baptized for remission of their sins. Sometimes they ask for, for prayers for different things. Sometimes they confess sin and, and allow this. Do you know that you can't come forward and confess somebody else's sin? That's not how it works. We confess our own. We want to have good relationships. Let's be people who are quick to say, I was wrong. Secondly, we're going to say this, I am sorry. Let's say it together. I am sorry. You know, those two things go hand in hand. To apologize. I love this picture of the little child. I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry. Usually somebody says, I don't believe I did that. I usually go, well, we've done it about eight other times. I wish you'd learn to believe it. I'm sorry is a big deal. See, I've been told that uh, I was given, a, do you, I don't know if you realize that, but I, I was given a lot of unsolicited marriage advice. When I told people I was getting married, guess what? People had a lot of advice for me. Can you believe that? I didn't even ask them for it. They, they all shared so much with me. One of the funniest days, one of my favorite days, uh, Spring Hill, Tennessee has a 
campus of Columbia Academy. It is a pre-K, um, so I think actually they're going down to three-year-olds, three through fourth grade. And I speak there once a month, and so I went in there and, and I got up and said, hey, I, I'm getting married, I, I'm engaged, about to get married. What's some advice you have? So I asked for some advice from some thir- three-year-olds through fourth graders. And, and what I said is, uh, I, I said, when you see a, a ring on, on somebody's hand, what should that tell you? And one little girl said, up, it, it, she said, if somebody sees, sees a ring on your hand, it should say, back off, woman, I'm taken. Her name's Kennedy. I don't know if I'll ever forget her name. I probably will, but it... Makes me laugh. They gave me some advice. Tell your wife she's beautiful. They're different things. Here's what I heard more than any other things. The two phrases you need to learn as a husband are these. Yes, dear, and I'm sorry. Here's when it gets complicated. I was really good friends with somebody for a while, and can I tell you something? Whenever I said I'm sorry, they would follow up with, for what? And I was like, you know what, I got no more... No more instruction on this. I was just told to say I'm sorry. That's a different level, isn't it? For what? Don't just say I'm sorry and not mean it. We see our children do this, right? If they can just say those two magic words, they're out of whatever problem it was. Be sorry and know what you are sorry for. Accept responsibility and do that. I have a wonderful niece, Caroline, and Caroline is now 16 years old. And one of the things that I remember, I was uh, playing with her when she was little, and I had to get up and go do something. And I, and I said, uh, Caroline, I'm sorry. I've got to quit playing. I've got to go in here and do something right now. And as I walked off, that little squirt said this, Sometimes sorry's not enough. She was like, two. And I said, excuse me? She, goes, and she just glared at me, sometimes sorry's not enough. Can I tell you, if you're the one receiving, I'm sorry, sometimes let it be. Let it be something that somebody's trying to do to repair a relationship. I think that's a big deal. But also, if you're the one who's done something wrong, realize those two words don't magically fix stuff. I'm going to tell you, feeling you're sorry and saying you're sorry are two different things. Let's be people who do both. Number three, let's do what's best for you. Let's say that out loud. Let's do what's best for you. That's really... When you look at a, the story of the New Testament, isn't that what happened? Coming to earth was not what was best for Jesus. It was not. It was not at all what was best for Him. You realize at times God wanted to destroy all mankind and start over? But He didn't. Let's do what's best for you. I think that's challenging because many times we know our rights and we want certain things to happen and we want what we want and we know we have certain rights and and, and realize that is a struggle. At times to give up our rights and say, hey, let's do what's best for you. Several years ago, a family was uh, talking to me about a, a situation. They were trying to figure out there was a father and a son. The son was at that time in, about to go to college, and he and his dad had a horrible relationship. And to be honest with you, I couldn't figure out what the young man had done, and to this day I don't know. 
But for whatever reason, the dad took whatever opportunity he could to trample on his son. He, just, he wasn't like that with his two girls. He was great with them. To this day, I have no clue. And they said it's a tradition in their family that, that on the birthdays, that whatever person is birthday, mom, dad, kids, they got to pick where they wanted to eat. I mean, some of you probably do that, that we're going to go out to eat on your birthday and you get to choose. And they said it was the son's birthday, and he said, I want to go to wherever. And the dad said, no, we're going to go over here, and just trampled right all over him. And it just doesn't make any sense. And what's interesting is that was sort of the when the young man had got old enough to realize that this isn't going to get any better. And there was a big departure there because he stomped all over him. It's interesting in Scripture that, that Paul talks about this in, in Philippians chapter 2. And, and what he says is this, Do nothing out of vain, out of selfish... Sorry, I'm quoting King James and reading from the ESV. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others before yourself. If you've heard Lonnie Jones speak, he, he will tell you this is the key to all relationships. To put others' wants and needs above yours. What if you decided right now, as you go home today, that you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what's best for my husband or for my wife, or for my children. Children, what if you went home today and said, you know what? Instead of being selfish, today I want to do what's best for my mom, do what's best for my dad. How would that change your home? Let's move on. I'm going to do the right thing because it is right. Let's say that out loud. I'm going to do the right thing because it is right. Isn't it interesting that many times instead of the golden rule, we do the opposite. We, we treat other people the way they treated us. For whatever reason, that seems to be more natural. We treat other people the way they have treated us. And, and at times we can be, uh, and we will justify our behavior, at times our sinful behavior, because somebody else has sinned against us. Now, I find it interesting that we do that. That we say, you know what, you... Since you yelled at me and you used profanity at me, I'm going to use it back. Since you called me a name and you let corrupt communication come out of your mouth, I'm going to use that as justification to say that back. Guess what? That's not what the Bible teaches. The first Rambo movie, I bet today you didn't expect to hear in a Bible lesson about a Rambo movie. But the first one was, was called First Blood. And I still remember there, there's a scene where Rambo's already blown up the whole town. He's done all this stuff, and, and uh, when his uh, commanding officer says, John, uh, you can't just do this. He said, well, they drew first blood. They, they hurt me first. And what he's trying to say is, okay, yes, they did, and they were wrong, but that doesn't justify you destroying everything. How many times do we feel like that gives us a right to act any way we want? When somebody sins against us, we feel like we have, any, any, uh, we have every right to treat them the way we want to treat them because since they stepped across that line first, we'll do what we have to by many, any means necessary to get accomplished what we want. That's not right. Like what one person said, they said, always adhere to a high standard of thought, purpose, and conduct. And here's what's great about being a Christian. We have a 
standard of purpose and conduct, is it? Jesus in the Bible. If anybody had the right to act vengefully, it was Jesus. And he did not. When I think about all he endured, I think about them uh, slapping him, which is not just pain, that's humiliation. You realize slapping is something you do to take the dignity away from someone. And I think about them punching him, but I think about them spitting on him, and we sing the song, he could have called 10,000 angels, he could have called as many as he wanted. He could have ended everything right there. But he did what was right, and he did what was best for them. I know that's a high standard. That's the standard we've been called to live to. The next one is this. I forgive you. Let's say that together. I forgive you. How much do we need to say those words? I don't know if you're a grudge holder or not. Some people seem to have a degree in it. They can tell you why they're mad at everybody and why they haven't forgiven everybody. I have met people, and you may be one of these people, we would differ biblically on this, but have met people that say, you cannot ever forgive someone who has not personally asked you for it. Well, I wish Jesus had knew that on the cross. It would been an interesting thought, would it not? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Ruth Bell Graham has said this, A happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. She also said this. When they asked her about, have you ever thought of divorce? She said, never. Murder several times, but never divorce. Okay? So she had her moments. What would your marriage look like if you had to wait for the other person to always ask for forgiveness before you gave it? What if you chose in life to be a forgiver? What if you chose to to forgive people? Realize it is God's job to be the judge. He'll be the one that deals with everything. He's the one who handles that. But you choose to go through life with a forgiving spirit and being willing to let let that offense go. I'm not saying to allow somebody to abuse you. I'm not saying that at all. But to forgive. And so many people say, yes, but Craig, you have no clue what I've been through. And can I tell you, I don't. If you'd like to share it sometime, I promise you I'll listen. But any time I go through my life and I go through, you know what? You have no clue what I've been through. Jesus goes, I do. And I've been through a lot too. And if Jesus can forgive, we must also be willing to forgive. Next is this. I love you with no hidden agendas. Let's say that together. I love you with no hidden agendas. Don't you love when people love you sincerely? Isn't that awesome when you feel that somebody loves you that way, not for everything you do? And, and y'all might be pet people. I always get myself in trouble talking about pets. People say, my pets love me. Quit feeding them. 
and, and they'll find somebody else that, to love. Okay. Um, what would you look? What about when you love people purely? As we mentioned earlier, Brianna and I are expecting, and we are excited, and and we love this little being who we haven't met just yet. From the first time we saw the heartbeat to the tick, can I tell you? From the first time we saw the little plus symbol, there's a love that was there. To love with no hidden agendas. Can I tell you? It's very difficult when you feel that people only love you because of what you can do from them, for them. I met a guy a few years ago, and uh, he is a uh, record producer, and, and he's a big deal. Uh, he's produced many uh, platinum and double platinum records, which don't exist a lot anymore. That means you have to sell a million units, and since people can listen to music for free, that doesn't happen as much. And uh, he was in the, uh, the rock, uh, did a lot of rock music, and we were sitting down talking one day, and he goes to a, uh, a big community church in Franklin, and I wanted to talk to him about the Bible and God, and we were talking, and uh, he said, you know, he said, it's really been a struggle to find a, a church for us to go to. I said, why so? He said, because now that I'm producing Christian music, as soon as people find out that's where I go, that's where they want to go because they would like me to produce their album. He said, very rarely do I get to have a discussion about the Bible or about Jesus or about life in general that doesn't come with they have something else they want from me attached to it. What if we love people because they were created in the image of God? Everyone. So we've been told that we should love people and use things, but to me, a lot of people have, have learned to use people and love things. What if we learn to love with no hidden agendas? And I tell you, if you love people like that, you will not have a shortage of people who love you back. Let's move on. Let's be the first one to do something positive. Let's say that. Let's be the first one to do something positive. Isn't that tough? I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I like having that stare down. Who's going to blink first? Have you ever said that? I'll apologize to them when they do what? When they apologize to me. What if you decide to do something first? A good friend of mine uh, built a, a log home uh, off the main road, and it has a gravel road that goes back to it. And whenever it rains, if you live on a gravel road, you realize that gravel will go everywhere. Well, somebody else bought a lot off of there and, and chose to tie into their driveway, which technically they weren't supposed to do, but they did. And the guy had bought all the acres. He chose not to be a pain about it. He went up and tried to meet them, and the person was hateful to him every time he went up there. He and his wife, uh, well, his wife's one of the sweetest people I know. He's all right. Okay, is that all right? <laughs> you know, He's not sweet. His wife is awesome. She tried to talk to this lady, nothing ever good. Well, it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it washed the driveway away. And when the guy went out with his uh, box blade there on his tractor, he, he took care of his driveway, her driveway, everything. A couple days later, she came down the road 
with a pie. See, if he had decided to treat her the way she'd treated them, and it was pretty hateful, it was different. But he decided, I'm going to do what's right for the right reason. I'm going to be the first one to do something positive. Who in your life right now is waiting for you? Is it the one you need to step up and be the first one to make a positive move? What relationship is strained and you need to make a move? What keeps you from doing it is pride. You, it, it's, pride is a big deal. It stops us from doing it. But just always remember, don't ever forget that we love Jesus because He what? Because He first loved us. He moved toward us before we moved toward Him. Don't forget that. Finally, the final one, I will endure when it is tough. Let's say that together. I will endure when it is tough. Endurance is, is difficult. Because enduring sometimes means putting up with. It means lasting through. It means getting through that time and being willing to do that. My granddad and uh, my grandmother were married a little over 60 years. And he was sort of a, a, he was a little different to talk to. And I just remember going, you know, Peppa, how do you stay married for 60-something years? And, here, yeah, and I was ready to listen. He said, there's two things you must do to stay married over 60 years. And I was eyes and ears. I was ready. He goes, don't die and don't divorce. Well, thank you, Grandpa. You have shared much light with me today. I appreciate that. And he didn't get explained anything else. That was his answer. I'm like, I could have used a little bit more. Can I tell you, a way people stay married is they, they endure. They endure. The Bible calls it long-suffering. Patiently enduring constant offense or hardship. It's being willing not to throw away a relationship very quickly. Here's what's interesting. Some of y'all are going, Craig, uh, I feel like I may have heard this lesson before. You probably have. Uh, it is not original to me. The first time I, I heard it, I heard it from Lonnie Jones, and, and then I, I went and heard somebody else speak about a month later and heard them give the same lesson. I went up and said, did you steal this from Lonnie? And he said, actually, I've never heard... Lonnie said, I took it from a, a, a book called uh, Sayings That Saved My Sanity. He said, that's where I heard it. And then once I looked at that book, here's what they give credit to. The sermon is not original with any person except Jesus. And some of you are this morning have going, man, that was, this has been a really nice Dr. Phil episode, but if you give us some Bible, we'd really appreciate it. This is Bible class. All right, let's do that. I want to give you some of the original sermon. I was wrong. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed, number two, I'm sorry. Blessed are those who mourn. Somewhere down the line, we, we, we start believing that blessed are those who mourn is a crying verse. And it is, it is a crying verse, but not a crying verse about 
about uh, being sorry about something happening in this life. It is a verse about somebody who mourns over their own sinfulness. You realize when you tell somebody else you're sorry and you really do that, that that's what you're doing? You have sinned or hurt some against or hurt someone else and, and you are saying, I'm sorry. Blessed are those who mourn. Number three, blessed are the meek. Let's do what's best for you. Let's put your need before my need. See, meek is a self-control word, and, and I do not like that we have allowed the word meek to be um, sort of hijacked. I've heard people say, as meek as a mouse. Can I tell you, that's, that statement's not accurate at all. It's as meek as a Clydesdale with a child riding on it. If you've ever seen a child riding a horse, realize that a horse does not have to allow that child to control it. Just because there's a three to four inch piece of iron in that uh, horse's mouth does not mean that that horse is really being controlled by that. Because if you've ever ridden horses much, you realize they can bite that bit and do whatever they want to do. Meekness is self-control. And it's allowing, we're going to do what's best for someone else. Let's move through this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let's do what's right because it's the right thing to do. In every relationship, in every dealing, whatever I say, I want to do something that's right based on the standard that Jesus gave for how we are to live. Next. Blessed are the merciful. I forgive you. Those who show mercy. Those who are, are full of mercy. Toward others. Number seven, number six. Blessed are the pure in heart. I love you sincerely with no hidden agendas. I love you from a purity. I, I, it is not somewhere that I, I love you because I can get something from you, but I truly love you because you are created in God's image. Blessed are the peacemakers. Let me be the, the one to make the first move to do something positive in this relationship. So you can be a, another lesson that you may have heard. You can be a peacemaker, a peacetaker, or a peacemaker. That's a pretty good lesson itself. And there's people who fake peace. Those are the people who just sort of go over stuff and, and never live like there's people who are peacetakers who they love to, to pull a pin on a grenade, throw it in the middle of a bunch of people and watch it explode and go in and watch everything that's happened. But we are called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers act first. And finally, blessed are the persecuted. I will endure. And it is tough. That we are created to live in community. We are created to live uh, with other people, to live and have relationships with other people. That is how God created us. Why? Because we are to impact one another. 
Those 59 one another verses are things we do to help one another do what? To stay faithful to God, to have a life here that is productive. And we are created to do that. And the thing is, we, we look and we think, what if, and I think, what if, what if we chose to be people who said that we were sorry and we were wrong? To do what's best for someone else. To love people with no hidden agendas. To endure when things get tough. Again, you may be saying, hey, yes, but. Every time I go to a cross. That's how He lived. That is how He lived. Does living like this free you from people being mean to you? No, it does not. But I will tell you, it allows you to live like Him to make the biggest impact on this earth that you can. Let's be people who have the greatest relationships of all people. Let's live at peace as far as it depends on us with all people. Let's treat other people the way we want to be treated. Let's be people who have relationships as Jesus did. And look at the difference it will make in this world. Let's have a very short prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank You for today. We thank You for this time. We ask that we will hold what we've looked at today very close to us and that we will live it out. Lord, give us the courage when we learn something, that we see something, that give us the courage to live that out and help it to make a difference today in our homes, where we work, where we go to school, and in our families. In Christ, we pray.